Hey everyone, you're very welcome back to another episode of the OPEX podcast. On today's show, I am rejoined by the man himself, James Fitzgerald. And on this episode, James and I discuss the exercise addict. Guys, this was an outstanding discussion with James and I hope you really enjoy it. Fitty, as always, thank you so much for making time. How are you doing? Of course, of course, I'm doing great. Thank you. You look. I love the. I love the haircut. Or well, it's it's the thank lack you. of it's the lack of hair, but I that's what I like. It's still a cut though. It's just yeah. cut with blades. Yeah, and I love that T-shirt. That's the assault bike one. Uh-huh. Or not the, sure, the, 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 a lot of people those watch it, but I love it. Well, really, it's the Schwinn one, isn't it? The 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 true the true OG, the Schwinn. That's right. Um. Listen, I sent you over an email, and as always, you, you got back to me very quickly, and, and you were like, absolutely, when I'd asked you for the request for today's podcast, and it, it's around rehabbing the exercise addict. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a topic that I'm very interested in, and, and I'm getting sort of deeper into the more I study human behavior, but I know it's an area that's you know near and dear to your heart, so the floor is yours take it away and then any any sort of questions that come along as you give your thoughts on this i'll be sure to ask so over yeah, okay to we, we can move around a number of areas because i think we we probably will um i think i'm an exercise addict i think i uh will start with that it's almost like starting an aa meeting talking about <laughs> well it's actually it's like we're, we want to talk about alcohol and so the alcoholic should just step up and say the truth right i think though why i say that um, it'll make a little bit more sense, I think, as we go on and kind of, you know, hush it out. But um, I do say that because it does, it does actually fill the characteristic void of what's considered an addiction. Um, I think um, probably our listeners and, and others may want to do a, a real good investigation of current uh, literature and explanation of why addictions occur just in general. I think that may lend a whole lot of help to uh, not allowing this judgment around what the actual addiction is, but instead looking at how those behaviors occur, right? And Robbie, it's not, <laughs> and I don't say go do that because you'll find an answer. You won't. It's very complex. You know, you can imagine addiction to methamphetamines versus addiction to exercise versus an addiction to sugar versus an addiction to self-harm versus an addiction to thought. You see the continuum of, but Gabor Mate uh, makes a little bit more sense of how we can find a place here to have some conversation on benefits versus voids. And uh, he would say that you're probably erring over at a point of uh, this addiction um, when it's probably leading to a lack of opportunity of fulfillment and growth forever and more towards filling something, um, whatever that is, behaviors or running or dopamine or whatever, it's filling those, but it's not connected directly to increasing growing and adaptation as a person, mm. right? So now we can quite easily, I think, put, a, you know, what is, what, is a health, what is a healthier addiction, you see what I'm saying, versus what could be um, a detrimental addiction and and then now now individuals can can go in multiple areas for it because there's a there is a sweet spot for exercise right but there's also 
too much of it that actually does, you know, create uh, a, a, an increased speed of aging, right? So there's not this, all I'm basically saying is that first devise this definition around addiction. And then secondly, you'll see that what is it leading to? And that can at least create some judgment around the positives or negatives or, you know, what it may look like. Um, and the old story goes, which I, you know, had with a numerous clients in multiple different ways, whether it was drug dependency or alcoholism or something else. And they replaced that with exercise as an addiction. And I would say out of all those individuals, you know, in regards to what you're considering general health and general mental measurements, uh, they were better off with this new addiction. Okay, so I, I want to clarify by starting there and saying that the exercise addict um, may not be may not be that important of an overall schematic topic because we got to be careful to use that word addiction, Robbie. If I may, if I'm making sense, right? Because like yeah. addiction in some cases, dude, is like is really heavy, is a massive burden, and can lead to someone's ultimate demise, right? So. Let's be really careful now to be like, so you're addicted to thrusters. How important is that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so, and I just want to be honest with you. So we're not, we're not judging addiction of it, but at least that lays the groundwork to my truth and perception of what addiction may be for the exercise addict. Um, and it's essentially where you need to go to determine what are the best intentions so that exercise can serve you and not burn you. Hmm. And that's where you need to go. Cause you'll recognize that, you know, this exercise, if it's not serving you to help you grow, and as I said, fulfill you and increase longevity, then you have to find that, you know, you have to squeak it out and try to find the fine line between it, it not serving you. Um, and there's, yeah, and there's, there's a number of positive elements to, to that, um, which is well studied, you know, sometimes people going and doing what some would be considered folly or a diversion tactic from some other things. What is wrong with that? Right. It keeps people out of trouble, you know? Um, and to this is not like when I'm doing thrusters, I take my barbell and like hit you over the head with it. You know what I mean? It's not like I'm, I'm causing harm to another based upon that. It's possible repercussion harm to like your family relationships, other dependents, you know, on your soul, uh, your your sole uh, goal is being like to just to kick the shit out of yourself, right? Um, so I think we have to we have to kind of manufacture some thoughts around what that addiction does, and then can it serve you or can it burn you, and then uh, uh, move forward from it. Well, really came to my mind there as you um, as you were speaking, and it, it kind of was nearly like the voice in my head just went, "Well, duh." Was that I think a good foundation to view this question through is is your exercise habit aligning with your core values? So, you know, so, so that might, that might give, that might give us a sort of demarcation point to say, right now, this is unhealthy because you're telling me, you're telling me this is your core value, but clearly that's not, that's not contributing to that. So for instance, like, yeah, but no, but we have no, but we have no, I don't want you to continue, but we have no, yeah. I think there has to be, some version of morality connected in there before values. So what I, what I mean by that, maybe that doesn't make that much sense, but someone's core values may be nihilistic or it may be very 
very detrimental. Do you know what I'm saying? Like there's, we have, we have, we have to, there has to be some judgment to the definition of values. Yeah. 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 I'm saying I'll just be, I'll make it sound stupid, right? Someone's core values is to um, get to 0.5% body fat and someone's core values is to be ridiculously popular Mm. and someone's core values is to uh, is to be awake 21 hours a day. Do you see that? That yeah. that's that's their that's their values that they own, right? But we have to. I think there's there's an unspoken, you know, topic on the what is right and what is wrong in terms of the values before you get to exercise serving those. Am I making sense? Yeah, that's almost like a layer deeper. Yeah, like that. You know, yeah. I mean, that's like a, a yeah. I I do get to, yeah. I do get okay. to serving. Like, but I think the point I was trying to make was you could hear people say, "Well, my my main core value is like to be healthy," but like what? And then you could see their behavior and say, "Well, that's you, you've gone beyond the point where that's contributing to that. That's oh, yeah. where, that's where I'm kind of getting at." Yeah, well, that's where that's that's and I make that point because you and I were just discussing it as if it's a topic over here, right? Mm. But now you added another layer to it, meaning there's a relationship involved in how the coach and the client manufacture those principles, those priorities. Right. And see, that's where, that's why, you know, why we give off this energy that we believe the coach is the fix to so many different things because they are essentially a sounding board for that person to try to figure out what are truly good priorities. Yeah. Right. Because the, the client will go, I want to be healthy. And the coach goes, but you're showing no actions towards being healthy. And so then the client goes, well, I should probably refine and make that a better statement. And the coach goes, I agree. What should we do to make that a more refined statement? And then the client goes, I think I don't want to be healthy. I think I want to be popular and be super lean. And the coach goes, well, thank you for disclosing that with me. Let's now propose some education so you know the sweet spot. The client goes, I appreciate that. I did not know that I was going to go towards more increased of sickness and uh, what I thought was healthier. No problem. That's my goal. Do you know what I'm saying? So that conversation yeah. was the alignment of proper priorities. You see that proper, mm-hmm. but you know, and, you know, we, we could dig out on that one, right? Like who comes up with what are, what are proper priorities? Because the positive psychological uh, infrastructure around all education today basically say, basically says you have no business in trying to trying to nudge that client to what what is proper priorities this i'm being completely honest right yeah in a, in a clinical psychological setting they are capable of nudging and moving and whatnot but in like in pop culture fitness today it's basically like what do you want to do i want to do this okay i'll help you do that that that's basically the you know <laughs> i'm being very short with it but Honestly, that's why I, that's why I, I was like, uh, I had a visceral reaction to the, you know, exercise should be aligned to someone's values. Like, well, sometimes values need to be dissected. Yeah. I, yeah. I get what you, yes. But yeah, exactly. Exactly. Cause people could say it's their value, but it's, it's not like, it's not when you dig deeper and deeper. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard you say, I've heard you say that before too. I, I love that example you gave of like, you know, when people are like, well, you know, like, I just want to, you know, I just want to be healthier. I just want to see my, you know, like, you know, just be around for my family. And then you were like, yeah, but when you dig deeper and deeper, they were just like, to be honest, I just want to be popular. And then you were like, that's no problem. No judgment. Hey, that's, all good. 
<laughs> yeah, and you and you were like, and you know, hell's with that winning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that was in you should you should that was unfair. You should note that that was in context to an athletic conversation. It, it was, right? yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, but still, let's we we're not, I don't want to dig in on that either. But um, it, I, and I don't just just say that. Oh, that's great to know that you just want to be popular because it doesn't end there either, right? It it it's more questions on like, well. Um, that's an, I would say, you know, that, well, that's, that's an interesting noticing, right? And I'm so happy that you kind of, number one, you know, have an open space with me to discuss that. Yeah. Uh, number two, you recognize that in yourself. And number three, do you want to spend a little time on what you propose you feel where that comes from, you know, and, and how that architecture was in place for you to feel that that's important. And Robbie, it, it can essentially get to a really healthy topic, right? Where we, where we, where we were like, you know what? This is what we've concluded. You're 23, you're single, um, and it, it just makes sense that you want to figure out where you sit in this thing, and you feel that popularity is one way of doing it, but I made you curious, which ignited this new change in thought that it doesn't have to be through the medium of popularity that gets me you know, uh, into the same area that I wanted to get as a person. Very good example. I got that now. So if, okay. if the listeners didn't go back and listen again and figure it out. Good. Cause the popularity thing, sometimes people can be like, Oh, you know, don't go after it for popularity. I think you need to dig a little bit more there. Cause there's yeah. some, there's stuff even further underneath that, that makes yeah. sense. Absolutely. Yeah. If, if possible though, could just get back to, to, to this idea of an exercise addict and, and yeah. um, I suppose the like, yeah, the, exactly. I was just yeah. read. That's why I wanted to clarify. That's why I needed to clarify the yeah, absolutely the, the definition of addiction first. Yeah, and by the way, I second Gabor Mate's work. I think his work is phenomenal. Mm. Um, but yeah, let, let's get into that. And any sort of case studies? I know you have your own personal history, but I know you've dealt with at least two. You know, maybe just talk us through like what that looks like. Um, yeah. You know, because yeah. obviously, like any sort of addiction, it can be very hard to be like, listen, we need yeah. to we, we we need to go on a bit of recovery here. We need to down, you know, we need to take some downtime, you yeah. know, etc. Cetera, et cetera. Listen, you know more than I do, so the floor is yours. Yeah, yeah, maybe I'll get into some specific case studies, but I'll just think of two things or a couple of things right away. Uh, number one, that person who may think they're there or may not think they're there, they may not know that they're there. So if you're listening and if you don't know, uh, maybe uh, through our conversation you'll start to recognize some of the signals that you're just listening on your podcast alone and don't worry, no one else is going to know. So it's important for you to recognize some of those signals and not judge it. That is really important before I go forward here. I think something that you do need to recognize is that the awareness of how fitness and exercise serves you is the first area that you need to keep talking about to yourself in your own stories right you need to keep saying that because the more you can't lie to yourself all over all the time you can lie to multiple other people like thousands of people because the story never needs to be told all the time again and again but lies come to an end in your own story so that means you have to keep talking to yourself about saying things like why am I really doing this? And then when you go on and do your Metcon and finish and get some space again in your brain, say it again. No, why am I really doing this? 
And then next time, and then tomorrow, why am I really doing this? Mm. And when you keep doing that, you'll either do a couple of different things, which is the second stage really of this, uh, uh, Robbie, is that if I sense in people that they're not, they don't have the capabilities or the setup to keep asking themselves that story, right? Which is impeding shitty lifestyle, bad relations, you know, uppers and downers, whatever, right? They're just chaotic. Unfortunately, I will safely lead that person to rock bottom. They have to experience a rock bottom scenario. Sometimes in exercise, it happens through injury, burnout, um, you know, an aha moment. Um, you know, they'll come, they'll come a point where it's like, I usually describe it as, you know, the, the alcoholic ends up like Nicolas Cage, right? Drunk and naked in the middle of the strip in Vegas, right? Like there has to be a, there has to be a rock bottom. That's the only way sometimes those people who can't keep asking themselves the stories, that's the only way they'll get to an aha moment point. Really, it's the only way. And I was very fortunate at an early part of my life to kind of get a heavy nudge through injury to recognize this separation between this kind of dual version of, uh, of uh, myself and my identity, right? So I was very fortunate uh, to be able to get hit there such that when that, that story kept coming up, when I was able to ask myself the question, why are you really doing this? Over time, I just stopped turning my back on my own question. That's essentially how I rehabbed my thinking outside of the addiction model and more inside of it fulfilling me because I transcended it, right? I moved through this area of serving an athletic purpose, serving an egotistical purpose, and then not serving me to going, what can I benefit from this addiction? What can I still hang on to and do? And this is how I simply said it to myself. I love movement. I love movement. I, I'm very curious about movement. I love being in a flow state cognitively. I knew that exercise gave me that. So you see, I only picked up on two things that I could transcend the addiction, which is where exercise is beautiful, right? You can't, you can't transcend meth and then move into like versions of meth. Do you know what I'm saying? That's still going to be healthy. But I was capable of asking myself the stories, right? And the questions, what is this doing for you? How is this serving you? Why are you really doing this? No, James, why are you really doing this? And then I try to find this little middle road of like, yeah, it's not serving me in that manner, but it can serve me here and I can really enjoy it. So I was fortunate to get an early hit. And I was fortunate to not have to do a rock bottom scenario, but there are some people that won't listen to themselves that doesn't have the faculty to put together to do it. That needs to be guided to a, to a, a big serious drop or eventually, unfortunately, Robbie, they will get there. And I would hope that it's not connected to a nutritional macronutrient issue like uh, anorexia nervosa or some kind of bulimia. Um, or some versions of that, because that's largely connected to, you know, energy expression, energy consumption, and it gets missed up inside of fitness. I would hope that's not the case in terms of the rock bottom scenario. I would hope it's just people, you know, they fucking, you know, bust up their quad or something, right? And they do it so many times, it's like, I can't run around, right? And then they're just sitting alone going, 
I'm addicted to that process, you know, <laughs> and I have to find another way. So, so that's what I think would be the couple of initial steps that you may have heard in there. You got to keep asking yourself these questions. And Robbie, as I started, there'll be a lot of people listening who will not know that they are an addict to it, right? They, they won't, they won't know it. Right. And so, and I don't think you and I have done a good job, nor was that our goal was to define what would be considered an exercise addict really clearly. We haven't, and that wasn't our goal. No. But if we could probably work really clearly on that, I think we may get people to say, to your point when you started, right? If it's connected to a morally proper priority setup, it's probably something good. You know what I mean? Like fitness is serving you for those priorities. Because um, we could say, Robbie, like fitness is important for the NHL hockey player, right? So, so that, that does serve the job, you know what I'm saying? That serves the job. And that's the priority right now, right? Money in the bank, competition, food on the table, support the family from 35 to 80 years of age, right? So they, they have to do that because it serves them. Whereas if you're like, you know, a father, uh, engineer, um, you know, local community member, uh, two kids, wife, house, mortgage, you know, you, this has to serve that of what could be your priorities. And if it's not serving you and it's taking you away from those priorities, then I think that's where you cross that line of what could be considered an addictive property that's not serving those priorities that are moral. You know who came into my head there as you were speaking? This might seem a bit strange, but Rob uh, Gronkowski from the Patriots? Because he's only 30 and he retired, obviously, this year. And I just read a little sort of piece in an article and he basically kind of, similar to what you're kind of saying there, he, he basically said after this season, because he had so many injuries and concussions, and he was like, you know, he was kind of like, okay, what's important to me now? And he was kind of like his family is now and like his own health. And he was just mm -hmm. like, listen, I have my Super Bowl rings and I've had a football career and I could go on. But he's like, it's just like, so like the, the, the behavior of football, of playing football and the preparation that's required for that wasn't aligned to what he truly wanted to do now, which was... Uh, I think you just picked up on something that we yeah. could put into the book of like uh, self-assessment. Andrew Luck went through the same thing, right? So what you essentially have to do is you have to manufacture a time for open space. Mm. You have to manufacture a time for open space. That means that Gronkowski probably had an off-season period, right? Where you never know, I'll just set it up. He went to a cottage somewhere with his family. You know, he, you know, he, this is the funny story that I used to tell when I knew that I was like moving outside of this competitive zone in fitness. <laughs> my daughter was on the ground and I had to get down and play with her. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I can't kneel down to get you. But, but that hits you. That hit me really deeply, right? That hit me really deeply. You can't turn your back on that. So maybe Rob had an off-season aha moment of a space that he manufactured to ask some of those questions, right? Like, how is this really serving me right now? And guaranteed if you, and I think that the people may have had lots of opportunities like Rob had. Imagine there could have been a thousand opportunities like that for people in an off-season, but they didn't manufacture the open space. And that gets into a whole different category, which is interesting of why people don't create that open space for thought and, and like processing this, these whys. Um, and they just like, nope, I don't want to talk about it. I'm just going to put my head down and 
this is what I got to do. And I got to keep trudging and moving forward. Andrew Luck was the same way, right? Young, um, had few too many headaches, few too many hard knocks. And was just like, I got this open space period of time off now. And he just put a lot of things together where it was like, just doesn't weigh out. It doesn't weigh out. If you don't know, know his QB for the Colts and uh, people were somewhat surprised. Yeah. Um, and sadly enough, I mean, this is a whole different topic to it, but a lot of people booed him on his way out of the, the stadium, which is just really sad of a vision of humans that are out there. Sure, listen, the, 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 Terry Bradshaw was booed multiple times by the Steelers during his career, for God's sake, and the man won four Super Bowls. And, he, and like, while he was, like, he was a, like, like a, a very raw quarterback at times, in the actual Super Bowl games themselves, he was immense. But uh, yeah, he he had a complicated sort of relationship, obviously with Chuck Knowles and, and his supporters. Yeah. But um, just wrapping up here, it's it's still within the realm of this discussion, and I know we we discussed this privately. Um, but I think just for the listeners, I think it would be good for them to hear your story about your leg break when you were younger. Um, yeah. I, I it's it's a you know it's a story I, I've heard you mention just kind of pass in passing sort of multiple times when you're always kind of giving an introduction of yourself in other podcasts or in other interviews. And like one thing that always sticks in my mind is how you kind of, you know, you'd say maybe in different ways every time you sort of mention it. But I remember one, one distinct way you described that and it kind of just hit me because I've seen this in athletes who have had, you know, major injuries and have had to sort of really sort of investigate their self identity after an injury, you know, and you basically said, and I'm paraphrasing, you were like, I realize I'm just another fucking number. That was kind of what you said. And I was like, ooh, that was, you know, that obviously, you, you, what, what I felt when I heard you say that was, I, I could almost feel myself in the room with you when you were that age, when that happened. Like it was so raw and real and still there. But it seems to have transcended something very beautiful in terms of, you know, the adversity has made you grow in so many ways as a, as a man stepping forward. So I would just love you maybe just to touch on the experience. Yeah. Um, well, I think you, you said a lot of it there, but the, I think what people may get from it. And the reason why, not because you're asking me, I want to turn my back on discussing that story again and again. Um, I think it's important probably at this point now that we say that I continually want to speak about that story such that people can grab something from it and grow. And maybe they're going to be able to help someone else who they see around them who has that same indirectly similar struggle with like, if I don't have this structure of how people perceive me, what am I? Right? What am I? And I had that at 18 years of age, a great time in my life. I'm so fortunate you know, I really didn't spend enough time, Robbie. I'd love to probably, I think I do need to spend a couple of hours just thinking about all the things that led up to that exact moment, because guaranteed there's a lesson to be learned much deeper inside of that. <clears throat> Maybe a shaman, a uh, revisit to a shaman could, uh, could probably tackle that one. But um, I think the story, you know, which is a little deeper than what most hear, I was a very curious and kind of an open-minded child. and I recognized that that current religious structure at a young age was not doing it for me. And at that, at that point in time, into my early teenage years, 
with this curiosity already around uh, reason and truth, um, I saw a lot of things unfolded onto me that made me question and, and lose faith in the word faith of everything, right? So this preempts those moments, right? So when people are like, oh, you know, you just thought you were a fucking number, there's a number of things you could have attached to that would have kept you going, right? But that's the reason why I, I, I bring that up is that when I got to 18, all I fucking had was this identity as an athlete. That's all I had as a human. Like I had nothing else, nothing, no true version of a friendship. You had friends, but I, had, I didn't have friends. I didn't have family, right? I didn't have that. I had soccer. That's what I had, right? So, but that's an important part that people need to recognize because it should teach people to not be, uh, to, to not be oblivious to the fact that that's the sole thing that you're wrapping everything around. It doesn't mean that you're still not going to be able to help someone who wants to go after that one thing and do really well. But as a coach or a friend or someone who's around, you need to stay close to them to let them know that if any of that stuff is taken away, you have to have something to fall back on. Yeah. So hopefully the lesson in there is that at the base of all of that, you have to have some rendition of what it means to be human and a real good purpose to be human, not only the athlete itself. And I was so fortunate at 18 to quickly recognize, it's not that I didn't have really shitty thoughts, right? But I, I gave it space. Indirectly, I gave it space. Meaning that, um, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't do self-harm lying in a bed for weeks in a hospital, right? But this is also why, you, you know, I appreciated Bernie, right? Why? Because all I had for those three weeks was what? Thought. That's all I had. So what is my initial new friend in transformation? Cognition and thought, right? Med meditating without even knowing I was meditating, right? Thinking higher order without even knowing I was thinking higher order. So then you, you get that as a base support. And then I recognize over time, I'm just this fucking zero, just a number. And I've got to build this now because I've decided I need to go forward. What comes after this? Fitness, right? Resistance training and working hard. So can you see the base level of addiction? Can you see why there's so much power that I believe personally is inside of physical challenges that leads to transformation, right? Why? That's my fucking story, right? That, that's me. That's what makes, made me as a human or saved me as a human. I know those are strong words, but saved me as a human, right? So is it addiction? Hell yes, it's a fucking addiction. Is it serving me now? Yes, it is serving me. Is there light for people who are in it and where there's not serving you? Yes, it is. Where should you go? Discover the human in you. You have to figure out what you have in place. So when all the cards fall, you've got something to work with that you love, that you truly love. That is a fucking mic drop. As in, you're on stage, drop mic, boom. Yeah, I appreciate you asking the question. That was phenomenal. You, listen, there's nothing more to add to that. That was, thank you so much for 
for sharing that with us. That, that, well, thanks for being with me to ask the question and yeah. share it. I really appreciate it. And I know the listeners will too. Uh, it's a few days before Christmas and, um, you know, great. This is always a time of year for reflection. So just real briefly, how was your 2019? What were some highlights? <laughs> I love the eyes. Wow. And thank you for the personal letter. I love you. Oh, thank you. Um, I love you too. Very, very much. Man. You know, I just, I was trying to think of, I go back to logical dates, you know? So, um, man, the continued growth of IF3, uh, Brandex is up and going with our course, the early part of the year. Uh, mixed modal gets finished, a lifetime project. Um, I spend a, a summer with my family um, in Idaho. Um, I'm embarking now on a number of different uh, pieces uh, within OPEX for continuing our education and, mm. and upgrading CCP so we can evolve and be a beacon out there for, for coaches to increase their value. Um, I, I, man, I got, I say this all the time too, you know, when people it's like, Hey man, I haven't heard from you in a while. What are you up to? It's like, man, I got, I got so many things to be grateful for. Um, you know, I, I had a, you know, I've had a great, I've had a great year. I don't know other way to sum it up. It's just been, it's been great. So, uh, maybe I'm, maybe I'm foreboding joy here <laughs> that, uh, 2020 hopefully will have some challenges to kind of, kind of keep it rocking for me. But Robbie, I got nothing to support, nothing to report, but just a great year. It was, uh, yeah. it was a great one. Um, I, you know, I, it was my 45th year, uh, on this planet. Um, man, I've done a lot of, a lot of fun shit. Um, uh, we had a lot of great conversations this year. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed those. We, we tackled a, n- a number of really challenging topics. Uh, you've continued to be that, uh, mignana that I said when you sat in this office here and when you, you know, we talked about where you sit, um, you know, you've continued to be that within this year too. So I really appreciate that. Finally, your top books, if you can think of any. And uh, you're you're the you're the podcast maestro. I I don't know anyone who listens to. It. By the way, thank you so much for putting me onto Intelligence Squared. Oh, so good. Can we? We can learn so much from that. You 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 want you want us to do something like that, don't you? Oh, dude, I love it. Yeah. It's just because you have to be. Anyways, I we'll get just people to go listen to it and then just see and look past the topics. That's what yeah. you need to do. You need to you need to watch how people manufacture it. I mean, it's just it's beautiful. Immense. Oh my gosh, it's so good. You want me to come up with a book for this year? That yeah, was or, or books. It's so oh, okay. fun. It's, it's so funny because you've all the books behind you. And again, listen, you know me. I've listened to some. I've, I've listened to so many podcasts you've done before. And some guy asked you, he goes, "So what's your favorite book?" And you're like, "Shh, shh the books. They can hear you. They're behind." <laughs> uh, well, you'd appreciate this. I'd say one of the ones that uh, I haven't tackled completely, but I've been through enough of it to know that it's a. Uh, it really uh, hits me as behave, Robert Sapolsky. Uh, that. Uh, Three times that one is, yeah, that one is as strong, I would say, as uh, why zebras don't get ulcers. The impact that that made when I first read it, like that, that changed a lot of my, a lot of the paradigm. Um, hmm. Just so many obvious things in there that it, it, I think why we may enjoy it. Maybe Robbie, you correct me if I'm wrong. I think why we enjoy it so much is that we then go into society and reflect back on how oblivious we are to, yeah. to these, to these behaviors. 
it just, anyways, it bores me. So that's why I think. Uh, Peter Tia always talks about uh, uh, his name's escaping me now. David, David. Oh, what's the guy's name? No, um, is it Foster Wallace? Is that his name? David Foster Wallace. Yeah. Yeah, David Foster Wallace. Yeah. It came back to me. But Peter Tia always talks about the uh, this um, address he gave. I think I think it's called This Is Water. I think that might be the name of it, but it's it's from yes, David, David Foster Wallace. And essentially, yes. essentially like wrapped in that in that sort of address is I think it's about twenty two minutes long, but essentially wrapped into that is a massive understanding from the book Behave as well, in that he's talking about like understanding a certain person's behavior in that moment of time and he goes, You don't know what happened to that individual. And it's just like this is just Sapolsky right here, like so yeah, I love it. I'll, I'll plug that into the show notes for sure. Listen, but, but, but one point on that too, before you go, I think is important. So we don't just think like we're um, just signaling that this is the greatest book and you know, you're going to be so smart when you have it. I think it, for me, it hits with empathy, hmm. right? When you, when you gain understanding, you don't just, you don't just gain understanding thinking that that's going to be in itself beneficial, right? It has to, again, lead to something. And for coaches, if you're listening, the powerful thing around that is that you're going to be able to sit, actually sit in other people's shoes and be able to hear them, like really hear them. And if you want to be a game changer in the, in the world of fitness and increase coaching, you have to have that, that level, that skill of empathy. And I think knowing behaviors and structure will allow that. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Hey, listen, uh, Fitzy. I really do appreciate this. I think this is our, our podcast just keep getting better and better. This has probably been our best one yet. So oh, awesome. truly, I truly appreciate it. 2019 has been an awesome year and no doubt 2020 will be too. So I appreciate, yeah, appreciate everything you do for myself and for our whole profession and anyone that's listening. So for all the listeners, as I say, as I've been saying at the end of most episodes, you're spoiled rotten. Your mother, my mother always says that you're spoiled rotten. <laughs> I always say spoiled rotten. But I really appreciate everyone for their earbuds. And until next time, for myself and James and from the team at OPEX, you guys probably won't hear this till after Christmas, but it's Christmas now. So I'm just going to say happy Christmas and I hope everyone had a great new year too. So happy new year, everyone. Yeah. Peace.